Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. All right, if you will, take your Bibles, turn to Ruth chapter 1, Ruth chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a minute, but I want to give you an overview of history uh, before we get into this. Uh, we've been looking at hidden heroes unveiling the women of Christ's lineage. Uh, so far, we've looked at two women. We looked at uh, Tamar, and we saw that uh, scandalous sin requires scandalous grace. Last week, we looked at uh, Rahab, and we saw that God loves, uses, and redefines people with a past. And so today, we're going to dive in. We're going to look at Ruth. Ruth is one of those ladies that's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. When we look at Ruth, we see uh, Ruth from a world full of darkness to the light and love of God. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get started. God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you that we're able to be uh, together in church today. Lord, for those that are watching by live stream, I pray that uh, the, the signal be clear, that they'll be able to hear with no problems. Those that will listen to it later on the podcast, uh, that will watch the video again later on that they would just get something from your word today. And God, we would thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, before we can really understand uh, a little bit about Ruth and the significance of why she's in the, the genealogy of Jesus and why that's an important factor is we've got to look at uh, the dark history of Moab. We have to understand what this land means, where she came from, because she was a Moabitess. Uh, she was from the land of Moab, and uh, there's a very significance in understanding why that is. The other thing that's interesting so far, as we looked at Tamar and we looked at uh, Rahab, both of them are Gentiles, included in, in the genealogy of Jesus, which is a big deal because we know that the Jews, they hate Gentiles. Uh, they especially hate the Samaritans when we look throughout the Word of God. They don't like the Gentiles. They, 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 in fact, they would call the Gentiles dogs. They didn't like Gentiles. But we see so far that uh, two out of the five women so far have been Gentiles. And when we come to Ruth today, she's also a Gentile. That's very significant as Matthew is writing because Matthew is writing uh, to other Jews. As he's writing there in Matthew uh, chapter 1, when we look at genealogy, he continually says these are the women of Jesus' genealogy. Now, th were there Jewish women there? Absolutely there were Jewish women there. But he thought on purpose to mention those that were Gentiles because he wanted the Jews to see that it wasn't about them being God's chosen people that gave them access to God and into heaven. It was that God had mercy on them, and that mercy was for all mankind. And so as we've been looking through all this series, it's important to note, hey, Tamar, she was a Gentile. Uh, Rahab, she's a Gentile. When we look at Ruth, she's a Gentile. Guess what? Unless, uh, unless there's any Jews in here, and I don't think there are, most of us in here are Gentiles and it's a beautiful thing for us to look at that and understand how much God loves and has mercy for us in those things so we look at the dark history of Moab the story of Ruth is chronicled of the goodness and mercy of God and his love for all people Ruth was from Moab a sworn enemy of Israel and a nation that stood in judgment against God 
Uh, we see that Moab was the, the people that turned the heart of Israel to a false god. As, as Israel was traveling towards the promised land, it was the people of Moab that turned their hearts towards Baal worship and other sinful and moral behaviors. In uh, Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 3, it says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to uh, commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal of uh, Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Now, first of all, this isn't where uh, Moab begins to be cursed. Because when we look at that last part, who, who was the anger of the Lord kindled against? Israel. Why? Because they had left him as God. Now, did the Baal worshippers from Moab have an influence on that? Absolutely. But Israel should have known that they were to continue God, uh, following God. They were continued to, to follow his direction for their lives, not worship false gods. And so God was angry at Israel. We don't see his anger against Moab at this point, because guess what? Moab was already on the outside of knowing God anyways. His, his anger wasn't kindled against them because they were doing what unsaved people do. They were sinning. You know, so, sometimes we look at the world and we're like, man, this is just such an awful place. Look at how bad these people are doing. Look at what this lifestyle is. Look at the things that they're doing. You know what people are doing in this world? They're being lost because that's what they are. They're lost. And God gets very angry when His people begin to act like the lost. His anger is not going to be kindled against the lost right now. He wants to show them mercy and grace and wants to show them through your life how they can know Christ as their Savior. But when the Christians are living like the world and they're worshiping the gods of this world rather than the God of the Bible, rather than living for Christ, His anger is going to be kindled against us. His judgment is pointed at us. I, I was uh, watching a movie last night. I, I don't know why I was watching a movie in the middle of the night. Uh, but we were, I was watching a movie waiting for Ashley to fall asleep. And, and it's the story of Desmond Doss. He was a conscientious objector in World War II. But he was a saved man. And um, in, in one scene of the movie, his commanding officer says to him, Listen, son, we don't go to wars. Or we don't win wars by losing our life. We win wars by taking lives. But actually, we do win wars by losing our life. Because Jesus told us that if we lose our life, we'll find it. But if we try to keep our life, we'll lose it. You're an addiction? Lose your life. You have struggles with anger? Lose your life. You have trouble with with uh, comparing yourself with other people, lose your life. You have trouble with attitude, lose your life. You have trouble with prejudice, lose your life. Lose your life for the sake of God, Jesus, and the gospel. Because he said, if you lose your life for the sake of Jesus and the gospel, you want to know how to live the Christian life? Then lose your life and give it all to Jesus. 
Say, God, in every footstep that I take and everything that I do, God, I don't want to be like Israel who turns my back against you and turns my back to this world. I want to lose my life in your son and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then we see why God does curse Moab. Moab tries to prevent Israel from entering the promised land. In the book of Deuteronomy, the people of the Moabites and the Amorites hire Balaam. How many of you guys have heard the story of Balaam's donkey? All right. So they hire Balaam, who was a wicked prophet of Israel, to curse Israel. And because of their part in trying to curse Israel, God forbids them for the next uh, ten generations from ever entering into his temple. In Deuteronomy 23, verses 3 through 4, an Amorite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever, because they met you with no bread, and with water in the way, when you came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. So uh, understand, so generations, ten generations, are at least 250 years that they were not allowed to enter into the temple of God. Now, did God love Moab? Yes. Did he want them to know him? Yes. In fact, all those nations that Israel would go through and would war against and fight against, God wanted them all to know Jehovah God, the Almighty God, the only God. But we see that for 250 years, all the people of Moab are never able to enter into the temple of the Lord. That seems like a harsh judgment. But they were standing in the way of what God desired to do. You know, people today sometimes will stand in the way that God, uh, of what God wants to do. And God does bring judgment to them. God will cause sickness to fall on them. God will cause financial hardship in their lives. God will cause all sorts of things that happen. But I believe there's still also a warning for us that know Christ is our Savior as well. Because who was it that they hired to stand against Israel? An Israelite. Balaam. Balaam was also cursed and judged. No person can stand in the way of God's plan. And especially as we as Christians, sometimes we might get uncomfortable. We might be like, well, God, that doesn't make sense, so I'm going to do it my way. When has that worked for you? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work for us. So there's a lesson for us to learn, too. Follow what God has. As our church, we need to follow what God has for us as a church. It, it, It really doesn't matter what the outside world is saying about what they think about what we're doing if we're following the Holy Spirit as he leads us as a church our duty is to follow his spirit and his leading now we want our church to be known in the community as a church who loves God and loves people 
But many times churches today are known for only loving self and not being part of your community. Pastor, for two and a half years you've been talking about we need to be part of our community. We need to be part of our community. You know why? We need to be part of our community. (laughs) For too long, churches have stood in opposition of God's plan of preaching the gospel in the entire world. Going into Jerusalem and Judea. You know why Christianity is failing in America? Because we failed to go to Jerusalem and Judea. Oh, we're, we're good about sending missionaries everywhere else. But what about our community? Let's go on, though. We see that Ruth comes from the land of Moab. Ruth 1, verses 1 through 4. Now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the ma- name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left of her two sons. And they took uh, took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwell there about ten years. And so uh, we see here they married women from Moab. Well, how are they going to go worship God? How are they going to be a part of worshiping God? They're, they're part of Moab. We'll get to that in just a second. I, I really wish that we had time to look at the entire book of Ruth in one service. But uh, I, I preached a series through Ruth before, and it takes a long time. Um, but uh, we don't have time to look at everything that there is and, and see all the lessons that are seen through uh, Ruth in a single service. But I do want to point out real quickly how amazing God's mercy and grace is. Uh, I always want to be careful to only say what the Bible actually says. To only be black and white where the Bible is black and white. This is a lesson I've been learning in my own life. I used to think that Elimelech was in sin for going to Moab, and I would preach that he was in sin for going to Moab. But you know what? The Bible never chastises Elimelech. You don't see that. It doesn't chastise Naomi's family. You don't see where God said, I, I didn't tell you to go there like he did to Jonah. I told you to go to Nineveh, and you didn't. That was outright sin. But there's nothing here that indicates that this was necessarily sin for them to go to. Moab. Some would say that Elimelech and his family were wrong for leaving the land of Israel and going to Moab, but we don't want to read into Scripture what Scripture doesn't say. But even if Elimelech was wrong for leaving Israel, we see how God can use our missteps to bring Him glory. Remember, we, we, last week when we looked at Rahab, were there some mishaps and missteps? Sure there was. But God loved to use her despite her past. And God loves to use you despite your steps of misstepping in your past. Words come to Naomi that Israel is no longer in famine. So Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, they all suffer this great loss. Naomi's husband dies. Naomi's sons 
and Ruth and Orpah's husbands die, and in a world where the husband was the sole provider for the home, this was not just an emotional loss, but this was a security loss, this was a financial loss, and this was a loss of hope. Because if you remember, remember as we've been looking through this, like with Tamar, women were possessions more than they were people in those days. They had no sons. They had no children to take care of them. No lineage that was passed down. So Naomi was just as much in trouble as her daughters-in-law were. But that word comes to Naomi that Israel is no longer in famine and God's blessed the land with food. So she tells her daughters-in-law that she's going to return to Israel. As the women are traveling along the way, Naomi encourages Ruth and Orpah to return to the home of their fathers. Orpah returns, but Ruth stays with her. Though some people believe that Elimelech was wrong for living Israel, there's also those that believe Elimelech was not in the wrong because the text that we're about to see gives us a hint that even in the land of Moab, his family was living with a testimony of who God was to them. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part thee and me. We can see the probability that Ruth had seen the Lord in the life of this family. Why? She said, I want your God to be my God. She had, become, she had come to believe in the same God that they believed in. Orpah chose to return to her father and the gods of Moab. Ruth chose to follow Naomi and to make the people of Israel her people. She wanted the God of Israel to be her God, and she was willing to follow the Lord all the way. She had seen the light of who God is and accepted to believe it in the only true God. She had gone from a world full of darkness to seeing the light and love that God offered. Ruth knows the love of God. Number three, if you go through the rest of the story of Ruth, you find a beautiful love story that's completely opposite of the story that we saw with Tamar. One of the kin of Elimelech, Boaz, shows great kindness to Ruth and Naomi. And, and when the closest kin rejects to marry Ruth, Boaz swoops in and marries her. I believe that uh, the teens were talking about this story maybe a little bit this morning. I thought I heard you guys talk about Boaz and Ruth. But Boaz comes in and marries Ruth. It's a beautiful picture of the love of God. Some people say that, uh, uh, that Boaz is a picture of the kinsman redeemer. You think about this. We had no relationship to Jesus Christ. But when he swoops in with his love and redeems us from the slave market of sin, we become part of the family of God. Ruth, a Moabitess, a Gentile, who chose to believe in God, was swooped right in to the family of God and becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. How does this happen, though? How, how, how do we get to this place? You know, 
God offers redemption. And God makes us a part of His family when we receive Him as our God. But remember back at the beginning of the message, we gave you the history of Moab. How long did I say that Moab would not be able to enter in the temple of God? 250 years or 10 generations. 10 generations have passed. And when we come to the, the story of Ruth, it's the 11th generation of the people of Moab. While the, while the text doesn't tell us that Ruth entered into the temple, we know when a male child was born in Israel on the eighth day, they were to enter the temple and to be circumcised and the mother is to be purified. And there's no reason to doubt that Ruth was part of this ritual in the temple. What's an amazing, what an amazing show of grace and the love of God. But the rest of the ending is even better. If you will, turn over to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth, I didn't mean Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. Brain. Ruth chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he, he went in unto her, the Lord gave her concept, a conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord! which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee the restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine own age. Because what had happened was when, when Naomi came, in to, uh, came back into Israel, all the people came around, Naomi, Naomi, it's so good to see you. And she said, don't call me Naomi, which meant beautiful. Call me Mara which meant bitter, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me because her sons and her husband were dead. She had no one to continue her lineage and her husband's lineage and her son's lineage. And it, it continues, it says, For thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid her in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women and her neighbors gave it a name, saying, This is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Do you see who Ruth's child is the grandfather of? King David. And when we come to the New Testament, we see that Ruth is included in the genealogy of Christ, a Gentile whose people were banished from entering the temple for 10 generations because of their position against God, became a follower of God in the show of the love of God and is blessed by God because of her faith in God. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. What an amazing, amazing story that God included in the genealogy of Jesus. He included this Gentile woman to show his love and his grace and show her faith. Maybe today, 
You've come and you've been seeking for who God is. You've been drawn to the church and you want to know more about God. Can I tell you, you're not here by accident today. Or if you're listening by live stream, you're not listening by accident. This message has been for you. Whatever circumstances are in your life right now, God's brought you here today for a reason. It doesn't matter what your family history is, good or bad. It doesn't matter if none of the rest of your family are Christians or whether all your family knows Christ. God loves you, and He's been drawing you to Himself, and He wants you to experience the life that only He can offer you. The question is, will you accept Him in this wonderful gift that He's offered you of Jesus Christ to be your Savior. He desires to take you from death into true life. Ruth was in a country of darkness. But God brought her out of the darkness and showed her true life and light. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Maybe that's you today. Maybe right now you are a child of disobedience. You are the one who's being led by Satan in your life, by the prince of the power of the air. Maybe you are the person who, who has not known Christ as your Savior. You're the child of disobedience. Listen to what the rest of this passage says. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. This morning, you might be walking in darkness. You might be walking as a dead person walking in the trespasses of your sins. But God offers you life. While you're sinners, He offers you life. There's no amount of good works that you can do. There's no amount of repentance that you can do or giving to a church that you can do. There is nothing that you can do to merit or earn your own salvation because right there at the very end it says, by grace are you saved. Another passage of Scripture says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Because if we could work our own way into salvation, then we could get to heaven and say, I didn't need Jesus to die on the cross. I got here on my own. <laughs> then what kind of cruel God would God have been to send His Son to die on the cross if we could all earn our own way to salvation? It makes no sense. But if you're walking in that darkness now, God offers you light. If you'd like to know Christ as your Savior, we'll have a moment of invitation here. 
or if you're watching by live stream, send us a message. Say, I want to know Christ as my Savior. And we will take time to show you from the Word of God how you can know Him as your personal Lord and Savior and walk away from darkness and walk into the light and life that Christ offers you. Maybe you already know Christ as your Savior, but you think that God can't use you because of your past or the past of your family. But we see from the life of Ruth that despite the history of her people, God had great plans for her life. And God desires to do the same for you. He desires to give great plans for your life. But will you follow Him? Will you live with the determination that Ruth did when she chose to make your people my people? And make your God my God? And let the Lord do to me as He does to you. Will you be like Ruth? Or will you be like the children of Israel? who God said, my wrath is kindled against you. Will you choose to follow His path for you? Will you choose to live with that determination by the power of the Spirit, to live by the Spirit each and every day? From a world full of darkness to the light and love of God. What an amazing story from the story of Ruth.